Good evening, world, and welcome. In honor of spooky season with Halloween just around the bend, I have a brand new story for your ears tonight that is brutal, haunting, and quite festive. It's just the story tonight in two parts with a small break in between, so grab your headphones, turn out the lights, find a safe hiding space, and fall in to haunting season. The doctor. Sarah waited outside the door of what she anticipated to be the last doctor visit of her husband's life. He had been withering away more rapidly in the past month. He wasn't eating, he wasn't talking more than a few words a day, and his behavior was becoming increasingly erratic. His anger was coming out more often, but never at her. He had never been angry at her. Unable to decipher the murmuring from the other side of the door, Sarah walked a few short steps to the window at the end of the hallway and checked on the girls outside. Morgan, the older of the two daughters, sat motionless on the tree swing, staring at her feet, while Lucy squatted near an anthill a few yards away. The girls were four years apart, with Morgan teetering on the cusp of womanhood, and because of their small age difference, they were friends on most days. As long as Morgan deemed the situation fair, Morgan became obsessed with the idea of fairness ever since her father fell ill. But nothing in this life is fair. Beyond the girls, beyond the swing set, beyond the red barn and the chicken coop and the rickety old Civil War-styled wooden fence Nicholas was so proud of, grew the corn. Or at least, what was left of the corn. The once saturated, rich, dark soil had become gray in color. It rejected water and nutrients, causing what few stalks grew in the deserted wasteland to rot from the bottom up and topple well before harvest. A few patches produced enough for roadside sales, but without the big stores buying in bulk, the Rollins would be dipping into the college fund again. Sarah found it difficult not to draw parallels between the fields and the sickness eating her husband. But they both seemed to be poisoned deep on the inside things were looking hopeless. Nicholas loved his farm, and perhaps when you love something so deeply... Mrs. Rollins! Sarah's skin leapt off her bones at the sound of the old doctor. She whipped around out of breath. Mrs. Rollins, I'm afraid this is my last visit. Nicholas is well on his path now and has expressed to me your plans moving forward. I'm sorry. Nothing to do now but wait for his moment and try to make him comfortable in the meantime. Tears welled up in Sarah's eyes. This was no surprise. She had been preparing for what felt like a lifetime. But no amount of preparations could make hearing news like this any easier. He's waiting for you inside, the doctor whispered, placing his hands on her shoulders in a final moment of professionally appropriate comfort. The doctor turned and went downstairs to see himself out. Nicholas. Less than an hour had passed since Sarah was in the room, but Nicholas had somehow worsened. His muscles deteriorated over the past several months with a startling quickness, leaving his skin loose like a bulldog, drooping around his eyes. One night a few weeks ago, Lucy asked if they could fix Daddy by filling him with the stuffing cannon at the Constructive Friend shop in the mall. 
That might have been the last time they all laughed together. A tiny bit of her eight-year-old innocence was stolen later that night as Sarah explained the complexities of the human body and how it differed from her stuffed bunny. So much innocence lost this year. And along with the crop and her husband, things were really starting to feel hopeless. Sitting in the chair the doctor left at the bedside, Sarah took Nick's hand and breathed in the sour smell of his body. Well, pal, what are we going to do with you now? Nicholas pulled his hand from Sarah's loose grip and pointed at the roll-top desk in the corner of the room, breathing with a heavy wheeze as if to speak. Downstairs, the girls burst into the kitchen door like a herd of pigs. Mom, we're hungry! Lucy sang. Just a minute, girls! Sarah called back as she crossed the creaking floorboards to the desk and gripped the cold brass knobs. I want macaroni! No! Hot dogs! Do you have any idea what's in a hot dog? Just one minute! Sarah called again, rolling up the top of the desk to reveal a letter sealed with wax. She looked back to Nicholas. He was sitting up, still pointing, but his finger was rising. Nick, what is this? Sarah asked, watching his eyes widen and eyebrows turn up in fear. His body began to shake as he pointed well over her head now. The light in the room fell dim, not from a cloud. No, the light on the side window nearest the bed remained bright. But the window behind Sarah grew dark as if shadowed by something large standing behind her. Sarah turned to look. The door burst open as the girls came stumbling into the room in full argument. Sarah whipped around, grabbing the letter, and stuffed it into her back denim pocket. The room was no longer dim and Nicholas lay motionless in bed, eyes closed, sleeping. Girls, Sarah whispered at the top of her lungs. What on earth are you thinking? The letter. Dear Sarah, there isn't much time. If you're reading this, I'm at death's door, but it's far worse than you could ever imagine. I was desperate. We needed money. I swear to you, I wanted nothing but the best for you and the girls. I love you all so much. My muscles are sore. I'll be bedridden soon. Another letter for you is attached to my will and our safe. A love letter. But now's not the time. Right now, we need to save our family. And it has to happen tonight. The Barn after the girls were put to bed, Sarah followed the directions Nicholas laid out in the letter, which led her into the loft of the barn. She turned her back as moonlight began to glow through a small square window near the peak on the far wall. The moon rose fast. She had but moments. The horse dander and the hay particles thickened her breathing, and her head... It was rare for Sarah to be in the loft because of the headaches. She wasn't allergic to the horses nor the hay, but up here... Maybe it was just too dense. Almost as sharp as one of Morgan's rebuttals, Moonlight shot across the room like a flashlight in a cartoon mystery. The air must have been thick for a reason. The moon, perfectly aligned with the window, created a pathway to Nick's secret at the other side of the loft, but from here, she couldn't see what it was. Just that the wall was covered in nails. This would last only a few seconds. Go time. Sarah took a few quick steps forward before she felt it. 
a heaviness growing in the room as if gravity was increasing. She pushed forward, eyes focused on the glowing spot on the wall, each step more of a struggle. Sarah pushed forward, each step harder than the last. Her face drooped from the pressure of the loft, muscle and fat folding over her elbows and kneecaps, everything pulling down. Her brain throbbed, pounding at the inside of her skull, begging to get out. The floorboards creaked, her neck cracked, and her eyes focused hard on the narrowing beam of lunar light. Sarah's right foot crashed through the weak floorboard, skinning her shin raw and catching her knee in its bear trap fangs. A muscle strained in her left quad, leaving her in a single leg squat, and with the room still thickening, Sarah struggled to free herself and stand back upright. Eyes adjusting to the darkness outside the beam, Sarah reached around herself, desperate to find anything to help her out of the mouth of the floor. She found nothing. The boards wouldn't loosen. The moonlight waned, focused now on just one little nail. The answer too far to reach. With just seconds left, Sarah made a decision. If Nicholas said this was the only way, then it must get done. So with a deep breath, she pulled her leg out, shredding her skin like a tomato against a cheese grater, and dragged herself by the elbows to the wall as the moon rose out of sight and the room went dark. Secrets. Sarah's eyes adjusted to the darkness kneeling with one finger on the flat, rigid head of the answer nail. She pulled it out to find the tip embedded in the start of a rope that had filled a perfect rope-sized hole in the wall. Pulling on the nail brought forth the end of the rope, but after about two feet, it stopped. Sarah pulled harder and found with a great amount of effort she could pull forth more rope. But weakened by the pressure in the room and her injured leg, She lost grip for just a moment, burning her hands as she held on for dear life. If the end of the rope went through that hole, it would all be over. The rope was too thick to tie, but the loose knot Sarah was able to form gave her something to grip and would keep the rope from disappearing. Placing her left leg against the wall, Sarah pushed hard, pulling the rope to her chest before releasing it completely. A boom resonated throughout the barn, shaking dust loose from the rafters. Though her right leg was burning and finally starting to bleed, Sarah found that putting weight on it neither added nor subtracted to her pain. So she repositioned and pulled again, this time inching back, bit by bit, until attempting to turn her back for better leverage. The weight of what was on the other end was far too much, yanking her off her feet and impaling her back into the wall of nails. Sarah screamed. The thin, flat, circular heads held their position under her loose skin. Blood soaked the back of her blouse as she navigated the nail tops out of their holes like buttons on a cable-knit sweater. God damn you, Nicholas! Is this worth it? She thought, resting for a moment. She thought of the desperation in the letter, Thought of the look on his face as she read it before him, unable to answer, just pointing above her head as the darkness rose, a shadow with a life of its own. If only he talked to her. If Nick had just told her what was going on. What was going on? The letter led her here. But what the hell was actually happening? The air was becoming so thick that she couldn't think right. 
After filleting her shin and puncturing her back, stepping outside to clear her head before another attempt seemed beyond reasonable. Sarah creaked down the worn, rounded steps of the loft and crossed the barn, staring at her feet in a contemplative and defeated state. Which is the only reason she noticed the line of sawdust that had been blown away from the bottom edge of the wall behind the workbench. There was no way. Nicholas had grown up in that house and played in that barn when he was a child. The Rollins farm had been passed down for three generations in his family and not a single relative mentioned a secret passageway? Or maybe they had. Maybe Nicholas had kept secrets after all. Passage. Tools hung from the wall Sarah intended to lift, and it took some time to remove them. After pushing aside the workbench, she took hold of the smallest sledgehammer of three with both hands and took it down. The second was far heavier, and the third almost impossible to lift off the pegs above her head. It cracked the cement when it fell from her hands. When Lucy was four, this would have been an easier task, but it was close to four years since Sarah regularly lifted her children in the air. Her muscles had relaxed into her mid-forties. After the hammers came the sickle, and then a few axes, two chainsaws, a bucket load of smaller tools, and now with the wall bare and significantly less weighted, Sarah climbed the steps to the loft to open the gate. With both hands firmly gripping the prickly knot of the rope, Sarah backed away from the nail-covered wall, pulling with the might of a mother. It was not easy work. But with patience and determination, she muscled her way backwards across the dust-covered floorboards towards the bear trap hole that tasted her flesh, the hole where the knot wanted to live. It was a perfect fit, but not one that would last forever. The floorboards creaked under the pressure of the rope. Gravity tempted the doorway to fall closed. Sarah moved as fast as her body would allow, bounding down the steps two at a time, and crossed the cement floor to the open passage that led downwards into darkness. Sarah almost ran straight through, almost bounded down the stone steps into the mystery, lies, and secrets, but she was smarter than that. Daddy didn't raise no dummy. With one last grunt of focused power, Sarah shouldered the tool table into the opening as the wall came crashing down on top splitting deep into the wood of the sturdy workbench and leaving plenty of room to crouch into the opening. This would hold. It was now safe to enter. Sarah crouched, elbows to knees, heaving in buckets of stale air from the barn's ancient basement, staring into the darkness, sure anything that was this difficult to get to must be truly awful. Hey friends, do you want to write scary stories like me but you don't know where to start? Well, let me tell you about a course I took online called Nightmare Fuel, which is presented by Autocrit, our sponsor, guiding you through everything you need to know to develop and create amazing tales packed with fear and terror. Nightmare Fuel is an absolute horror writing survival guide with a healthy measure of self-study, workbooks, videos, and intensive live virtual classrooms. In addition to the impressive breadth of knowledge from the teachers, the course also features exclusive and meaningful guides 
guidance from Rain Hall, gothic horror author and creator of the Writer's Craft Guidebook series. Okay, so you've got your money's worth right there, but let me tell you about the parts where I really benefited, and that's the private member community and the editing software. The Autocrit software is like hiring a great therapist. It's there to guide you towards making good decisions in your writing, but you still do the work yourself and make your own decisions. The software can run hundreds of reports that help you critique your own writing, pacing, and repetition, and it has taken my writing to a whole new level. Now, I made friends during the class, talented, hard-working friends who love to write stories like I do, and we were able to connect, to chat, share our work, and get feedback from each other without sharing personal information through the private Autocrit network, which for me is like if I could take my favorite social media platform and remove everyone who's not interested in what I like. I can't tell you enough how valuable this class has been for me, and they don't just do horror, they have sci-fi and fantasy as well, so if you're looking to get started in writing or you just want to take that next step to get better, check out hauntingseason.com autocrit. The Cellar Sarah stood in the doorway to oblivion, staring at the darkness of her fate. Her husband, Nicholas, was dying, and so was her farm. Everything, Nicholas said in the letter, led her to this moment, and she knew she had to move forward. She breathed in the damp smell of the secret barn basement as her mind wandered to Lucy and Morgan, her sweet daughters dreaming away in their twin beds. Whatever happened tonight, she had to protect them. Nothing, no farm, no husband, even her own life would be worth that loss. Sarah grabbed a flashlight from the middle drawer of the workbench, depressed the rubber button, and shot the beam down the stairs, illuminating the old stone wall that curved to the left. It reminded her of that movie she used to watch as a kid. My name is Sarah Rollins. You're killing my Nicholas. Prepare to die, she thought. She cracked a smile and made her way down the winding stairs into the frigid basement, hair standing high atop their goosebumps. The passage led to a large stone room with a packed dirt floor. A mess of old rusty hooks hung throughout the room, covered in cobwebs. Why would someone hide their meat storage? Sarah thought. The ceiling was made of thick and wide wooden boards and sat easily twelve feet above her head. It was high enough to suspend a whole cow off the ground, maybe even a horse. She wondered how many people it would take to hang a horse in the first place let alone get it down that spiral staircase. Aside from a few stone pillars supporting the planks and the cement above, the room was void of anything significant. Or at least that's what Sarah thought, until her foot kicked over a glass jar that clinked to the floor with a spine-tingling rattle. Sarah twisted the front of the flashlight to widen the beam and turned it to the floor to find a large, flat stone embedded in the earth and a sealed mason jar on each of its corners. She reached for the one she had knocked over. It was large and murky, filled with a yellow, pus-like fluid. As she bent, fingers about to grab around its smooth surface, the light brought forth the main attraction. A heart suspended in the liquid. Sarah recoiled, aghast at the oddity, and backed herself into a pillar. The wounds beneath her sticky blouse shot fire across her back. The wall of nails seemed like weeks ago, but was somehow just mere moments past. The altar. Regaining her bearings, Sarah crept back towards the jars, circling the stone altar and inspecting each one. The heart still lay on its side. Next, a pair of eyes. 
and then a brain. And finally, dear God, it could only be a severed phallus. What was Nicholas doing down here? How was this the secret that he kept? Was he mutilating animals or, or worse, was it some sort of bizarre human sacrifice? Sarah turned and retched, spewing her dinner into the dirt which coated the vomit and rolled it into marbles. She wiped her mouth with the bottom of her blouse and turned to the stone, marching with determination and set the heart jar upright on its corner. Her light swept the center of the stone where she caught a word. Without thinking, let curiosity pass it through her lips. Clown neck. Bright, long beams of light shot down from the ceiling, illuminating the entire room all at once, and passing from one side to the other like a pendulum. Clown neck, she said again, this time more firmly. The light passed through the boards again, this time in the opposite direction. Clown neck! Sarah screamed. The word on the stone began to glow with the hot orange of molten rock. Light shot straight down now like prison bars in the dusty basement light as the room began to quake. Sarah lost her footing for a moment and felt the dirt beneath her feet shake loose into sand. Deep unsettling moans came from the structure of the room, loosening dirt and crumbling mortar betwixt the stones of the walls and rattling the hooks and chains that now seemed a bit further overhead. It was a moment before she noticed that the floor was lowering, as if draining out somewhere far beneath her feet, and with a few bounding steps Sarah made it to the pedestal with just enough floor left to get a solid grip across the top. She swung her ankle over the edge and hauled herself onto the clownic stone. The floor and the walls disappeared into darkness, leaving her kneeling, clinging to the platform. The room was no longer shaking, but Sarah had her own tremors now rattling her bones. What had Nicholas gotten her into? Clownick. Three thunderous pounds on the floorboards above rattled the chains and dropped dirt into Sarah's eyes. And then came the words. A horrible voice of many voices like a keeper of souls, shaking Sarah to her very core. Who now calls for Clownick? My name is Sarah Rollins. My husband Nicholas tells me you have a hold on this family. More thunderous footsteps. One, two, three. I give what is asked of me. I hold nothing. My Nicholas is dying, Sarah called into the rafters. And so is my farm. You promised him wealth and prosperity. Are you not worth your word? You speak to me this way, child of Earth. Do you know not who I am? You are Clowneck, Sarah started, but she was interrupted by an eruption of sound, raining down in a shower of splinters and flying wood chunks. An eight-foot-long spike penetrated the boards above like a massive canine tooth biting into an apple. Sarah flattened herself against the stone, keeping herself just out of reach. Once the wood had fallen past her into the void, she looked up to see the claw pull back from its hole, quickly replaced by an eye the size of a tractor tire. Scaled eyelids blinked around the orb, the iris of which held every shade of red, and where the white should have been was a blackness that matched the void of the pupil. Clownick's sulfuric breath hissed through the floorboards. Nicholas begged for prosperity and wealth from his farm, as long as he had his health. And now he's dying, and so is our farm, Sarah said. 
is where the term The iris of Klaunik's eye widened. He was enjoying this. I want new terms, Sarah said firmly, standing for the first time on her small platform, staring into the emptiness of space and time in the center of the giant's eye. We shall see if you are worthy, Klaunik rumbled, and the eye pulled away into the darkness. The place began to shake again, rumbling like a stampede of wild horses. The chains rattled, dust fell, and through the hole above her, Sarah could hear the sound of chaotic scratching growing louder. Something was coming. Some things. What came through the hole next was bizarre, yet distantly familiar. It climbed on all fours across the boards of the ceiling, followed soon after by another, and another. The sight of them stood Sarah's hairs on end, dark gray skin like wet leather, long lanky bodies and translucent wings, pig faces, pointed ears, and tiny little perfectly round black eyes on human bodies. Sarah screamed, and one of them hissed back, hanging down to eye level, hooked feet gripping the ceiling, its top fangs three times longer than her own teeth. They were all hanging now, as if just woken up and allowing their little horrible colorless eyes to adjust to the darkness. Then without warning, the farthest one dropped into the void, leaving behind nothing but the sound of a deployed parachute. Wings. Sarah could hear it circling back when another dropped. And a third. She didn't have enough eyes to track all that was going on, swirling around her, swooping into the darkness. She quickly found herself disoriented and unstable, falling to one knee, gripping the pillar that she stood on. She lowered her head, just for a moment, and that was all they needed. Cold, jagged metal scooped into her back like a curved needle through leather. First her right shoulder, and then her left. The chains, Sarah found, were on pulleys, and the bat demons knew exactly how to work them. Through a wavy collection of tears, she could still make out the creatures on the ceiling, tugging the chains like rigging lines on their upside-down pirate ship. Hee-ho, they hoisted Sarah on her feet, and two more flying bastards hooked through her lower back. Now, hoisted with four chains, Sarah's feet were dangling from what little floor she had left. One of the flying rat people landed in front of her, ripped her blouse with its mid-wing claw, and watched with a toothy, long-mouthed grin as the shredded shirt slid to her wrists. It reached for her bra, and as it hooked its claw through the front, Sarah braced herself for pain and kicked it in the chest, sending the thing toppling over the edge, ripping her breast free into the cold cellar air. Sarah bounced on the chains, twisting and swaying from the kick, clenching her jaw in agony. The bats pulled, and she was hoisted higher. Two more mangy creatures landed on the stone, cutting effortlessly through her jeans, ripping them from her body, leaving her naked all but for the leather belt, wisps of her denim waistband, and the bits of her blouse that dangled from her wrists. Already exhausted and completely helpless, Sarah's eyes blurred with pain as hooks from the ceiling were sewn through her calves and forearms, spreading her arms and legs wide, a floating naked X of a woman in the void of nothingness beneath her barn. Klaunik spoke. You come to barter, Sarah. Sarah's voice was high with suffering. I need my farm. My babies need me to provide. Without the farm, I have no way to support them. You 
wish to take the place of Nicholas? Clownick asked. Oh God, no! No! Sarah responded. No, he made his bed, and I won't lay in it. I won't make the same mistake. What is it that you ask? Sarah clenched her jaw, raised her head, and looked into the scarlet eye of the beast. Despite the agony of the thick, rusted hooks pulling at her flesh, she felt the right side of her lips curl into a wicked half-smile. I just need to keep his body breathing. The craft. With all the creativity of the devil, Clownek worked to sway Sarah from her decision, but she would not budge. Hours went by as the hooks were pulled tight. Horrid creatures unlike any human had ever seen crawled through the eye hole of Clownek to torture Sarah with whippings, cuts, and carvings. The blood, freed from underneath her skin, coated her body and drizzled off her toes into the altar, seeping into the letters of the demon's name like a collection box. The night seemed to never end. The pain was hot like desert sun, and after a long while, Sarah found herself numb and fading away into a daydream. At first, she thought she had become bored of the torture, her mind drifting to odd thoughts of wheeling Nicholas out into the barn, flashes of laying him out on the workbench, of stripping his hospital gown and brandishing a box cutter. Was this a dream? Or was it instructions? She found herself looking into his eyes and apologizing with her own as she thrust the blade into his belly, tilted it back, and unzipped his chest. Sarah could still feel the chains in her flesh, working her like a marionette as she skinned her husband, searching for his circular system. She cracked his ribs with the smallest of the sledgehammers she had freed from the wall and made an opening to his heart and lungs. Clownek puppeteered her across the barn, collecting a shovel, a burlap sack, scrap wood, nails, straw. Sarah grabbed the jumpsuit Nick wore for the dirty tasks around the farm and finally gave a heaving push to Nick's breathing carcass, landing him on top of the pile in the wagon. Clunking along like a sleepwalker, Sarah hauled her collection out into the center of the dying cornfield and got to the real work of the night. Bathed in moonlight, she dug a shallow grave waist-deep and dragged her husband's body into it. Then, careful not to sever a single connection, Sarah raised his beating heart from his chest and laid it in the dirt. She had worked hard to free his veins and arteries from his now mangled body, and they sat like roots atop the dirt around the hole. She reached into the burlap sack and removed the four mason jars containing the body parts from the basement and placed them in the open cavity of his chest. With a little work, laying belly down in the dirt, she sewed his chest closed with twine and finally buried him, trying not to connect with his eyes that begged for mercy. The rest of the craft was tedious, sewing his circular system into the jumpsuit, stuffing it with hay, and crucifying it on the stakes in the yard. Sarah finished by placing the burlap sack on top, using the blood-crusted box cutter to slit a gaping mouth before collapsing in the dirt and sleeping all too briefly until the sun came. Halloween. Come to Roland's farm for Halloween tricks and treats. The poster read. Sarah had posted them all over town. She eyed the one in the front window as she exited the shop and smiled, placing her custom order into the bed of her pickup truck. It had been ten weeks since Nicholas had passed on. 
and the condolences had washed away like blood in the dirt. Life was feeling normal again. The drive back to the farm was calm. The hum of the old truck was a comfort to Sarah as she let the crisp October air suck her ponytail out the window. There would be no rain tonight, and that would be excellent for the farm. Sarah pulled past the quarter mile of parked cars and turned left into her long dirt driveway, pulling over near a small tented table and exited her truck. Her girls waved from underneath and flashed a wad of cash in the air. Everybody's here, Morgan yelled. The whole town! Did you get them? Lucy asked, running to the back of the truck. Sarah reached into the bed, too high up for Lucy to see. Her back was to her daughter, hands working at something tough and crackling. Mommy? Lucy questioned. Sarah shot a dark glance over her shoulder, but said nothing, focusing on her hands. There was a sound of peeling, and then another crackle, and a pop. Sarah whipped around, hands behind her back, and crouched low, meeting her little girl eye to eye. Apple cider donuts, she yelled. 148, if my count is correct. Sarah pulled two out from behind her back and winked. Give one to your sister. Sarah got back in the truck and drove past the hiking families towards the farmhouse slowly, trying not to kick up too much loose dirt. After a few hundred yards, the truck rose up onto the ridge that gave the land privacy and she pumped on the brakes, pausing for a moment to survey her healthy kingdom. To the left at the end of the drive was her farmhouse, white with soft blue shutters, and beyond that, off to the right and back, was the tall red barn. And the big old tree with the swing and a lot full of grass that led to that old wooden Civil War fence that Nicholas always loved so much. And then, as far as the eye could see, was the corn maze. It had grown almost overnight, up as high as an elephant's eye, twisting and turning throughout the land like the channels of the brain. A natural maze, perfect for the excited trick-or-treaters ready to run with sugar pulsing through their blood. The children tonight would be safe. But late at night, long after the sun went down and the last pumpkin was picked from the patch, the teenagers would arrive to roam the maze at night, and some of them would get lost, with the corn stalks seemingly shifting around them, guiding them into the center, where a hungry scarecrow named Nicholas lay waiting for his annual meal that would keep the farm alive. Hey everybody, thanks so much for watching my new story today. Please subscribe and share the story around if you liked it. Haunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, and is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Gielen. Haunting Season is executive produced by Patrick James Lynch with Ryan and Matt Gielen, with creative support from Cody Dugan, Jessica Richmond, Mel Forrest, and my wife, Courtney Barber. Today's story was edited by Colby Crow, and the podcast was edited by Drama Del Rosario, using music made exclusively for the show by North Innsbruck. Check out Haunting Season on TikTok for daily doses of horror movie reviews and nightmare fuel, and thanks again Again, to our sponsor, Nightmare Fuel, powered by Autocrit. That's it for our show today, but remember, we're more likely to survive if we stick together. We'll see you next time.